We love our worship team. They do an awesome job. So let's get into God's word here. And let's let's I want I want to talk. And I know just by the title, you may not know what I'm talking about, but I want to talk about God's inside voice. God has an inside voice. Now, that that also means that God has an outside voice. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You tell your kids sometimes inside voice because they're talking too loud in a place where they need to bring your voice down. We're not we're not outside. Everybody can hear you. You need to hush a little bit. Well, well, God has an inside voice, and God also has an outside voice. And so I, I kind of think, uh, how, how do I want to do this? <laughs> we, we often talk about how God lives in us, right? In other words, God's in our house. He lives. I don't know why. He's a reckless God. He decided to live in us. Some of us don't represent Him very well. It's going to be one of those messages, right? We sometimes don't represent Him very well, but He's decided to live in us. So when He lives in us, He kind of gives us that inside voice. But some of us, not many of us, because it's not meant to be for all of us, but for some of us, God doesn't just live in us, but some of us have had the awesome experience of visiting His house. And we see a lot of that in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, it's all about God's outside voice. God's always yelling and screaming. God's always talking loud in the Old Testament, right? And, but actually, that's the way it is because we see a glimpse of it in the book of Revelation. You go to the book of Revelation, John gets caught up, right, to, to heaven, and he's in the throne room. And what does he hear in the throne room? Thunder, all kinds of noise, thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of voices. It's loud. It, it's so amazing. He falls on his face. God's outside voice is thunderous. They heard His outside voice at Mount Sinai. There's thunder and lightning and the horn, the ram's horns are blaring. And, and, and God, said, God said, I want to talk to all the people. And all the people said, Moses, you go. You go talk for us. You know, we're scared. Our God is an awesome God. Sometimes His manifestation can be scary. Wow. Come on. Let's get real today. I know we want to always talk about how he's a loving, tender God, and he is. But when it comes to sin, our God still has a roar. When it comes to dealing with the devil, our God has a roar. Our God is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's got an outside voice. Isaiah experienced this outside voice. The first five chapters of Isaiah are all woes. <laughs> it's, all, it's all talking about judgments coming. Remember I told you he named his two children. You know, uh, Judgment is imminent and only a remnant's going to make it. That's what he named his two boys. Wow. Talk about someone who's 110% in. <laughs> when you name your kids after your ministry, you're in. 
there's no no gray area there. And 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 so he he see he hears the the judgment of God on a nation, and we know that right after that, Israel goes into captivity for 70 years because they wouldn't honor the Sabbath, and they wouldn't honor the land, and they disobeyed God. So they go into captivity. It's like the children of Israel who really weren't ready to go into the promised land, and because of disobedience, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And so they said, well, God's punishing them. I don't think God was punishing them. You know what I think it was? I think they spent 40 years in the wilderness because it took that long to get them ready for the promise. They weren't ready. How, how many of us are really ready for the next thing God has for us? And maybe God's not honoring that promise because you're just not ready yet. He keeps sending you the same test and you keep flunking it. Amen. Anybody hear what I'm saying? Amen. So Isaiah 61, I, I mean, chapter 6, I keep saying 61. He, he say, well, we, we've, we've hit this now, what, three or four Sundays, but I, I, I just can't get away from this vision, and I'm not preaching everything I've been preaching, but I just want to point out a couple things. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. We talked about something's got to die sometimes before we can see. The next thing, and he's sitting on a throne. He's high and lifted up. This is not the this is not the sweet Jesus that lives in us. This is God on a throne, high and lifted up. This is this is a transcendent God. He's and his train, right? His train of his robe just fills the temple. Wow, what a what a view. And above it, there's seraphim. Each one had six wings to, to cover their face, cover their feet, and with two they fly around. And they're, they're saying, verse 3, they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth, the whole earth is full of His glory. Sometimes we, we watch the news and say, no glory. But, but you know, listen, we talk about fake news. It's all fake news. If it bleeds, it leads, right? The posts of the door were shaken. God would speak, and heaven would literally shake like an earthquake. The whole house is filled with smoke. <laughs> when we sing, our God is an awesome God, when John saw that picture in, in Revelation, when they went to Mount Sinai, there's so many other stories we could tell. And, his, and Isaiah's response is not, oh, this is cool. He says, woe is me. Can I tell you hmm, that when God's presence is revealed, so will be your sin. Maybe that's why some people don't like coming to church. Can I, can I say it this way? Church can be dangerous. Church ought to be a little dangerous. No, but no, no, no. We've made church completely inviting. Now, now, this is so hard to balance because on the one hand, we want to preach the whole counsel of God. In other words, get right or get out, you know. But then we got this loving God, forgiving God. How many know we got to find that? Because people will never be convicted of their sins if you tell them they've never done anything wrong. But on the, on the other hand, we always have to give them hope. We, we need to pray, God, get them to the place where they can say, woe is me. But then let's pray that an angel will come with a hot coal and touch their lips and they'll get forgiveness. You know what's funny about the old church? 
How many people are from the old church? I'm talking about the old holiness church. How many remember those days, right? And, and it's like, like 48 out of 52 Sundays we preached, be careful who you hang out with. Don't run with them. Don't run. You know, be separate. Walk a holy life and stay away from these sinners. And we just go on and on, talk about how bad they are. But then four Sundays out of the year, sometimes only two Sundays of the year, we get up and say, now next Sunday is a special service, so bring all your sinner friends. Do you all see the problem? We preach holiness, and then we say, bring your sinner friends. Oh, I thought I wasn't supposed to connect with them. So on the one hand, we understand holiness, but on the other hand, we need to understand forgiveness. (laughs) He said, holy is the Lord, but on earth, the earth's full of His glory. I want the glory. Hallelujah. I understand the holiness of God. But listen, there's glory on the planet, and we want the world to be saved. It's whosoever will. I know church can be dangerous, but church is also a healing station and a hospital for all. Can you give Him praise for that? Amen. He forgives us. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Nothing good's coming out of my mouth. I dwell in the midst. He said, and all my church members are unholy too. Why? Didn't he realize this before? Apparently not. He said, now I know. Now I've seen the king. I've seen the other. I've seen something that's not like me at all. And I'm not right. Oh, if you could just get a vision of him, you'd realize how unright you are. Because we all think we're okay as long as we can find somebody worse than we are. Well, I'm not as bad as... Really? That's going to be your argument when you get to heaven? Verse 6, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken from the tongs from the altar, right? And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold... This has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away. Your sin is purged. Oh. You say, well, God doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, he does. It's called Jesus. I, I got something this morning. So bless me. How many remember? I'm going to chase this rabbit. I don't care what time it is. Listen to me. How many remember when Abraham negotiated with God about Sodom and Gomorrah? And he starts with, what, 40 or 50, and he keeps going down. Lord, how about this? And how about 40? And how about 20? And he he said, how about 10? If you could find just 10 in the city. Just 10. And and I don't know if if God quit or Abraham quit. Doesn't say. (laughs) Maybe they just mutually said, you know, that's that's about as good a deal as I'm going to get. Well, I'll save the whole city if I can find 10. Well, he couldn't find 10. Here's the revelation. I wonder, what, I wonder if he could have got down to one. I want, I want if, if you can find one, and then it hit me, he did. I'm not talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm talking about Mansfield. He did find one. It's his son. Uh, I thought that revelation would be greater. I don't know. Sometimes I hear that outside voice from God, and I'm thinking, boy, when they hear this, the whole church is going to fall out in the spirit. It's, it's going to be like, <laughs> Then I say it, and they're like, (laughs) he said, I'll save the city for 10, but then he winds up saving the whole world for one. Come on and give him praise. Act like you like it if you, oh, my God. Oh, let's just go home. I I can't get any better than that. 
going to his house can be dangerous because of that loud outside voice that we see in the Old Testament. But he puts a hot coal on his lips and says, your sin is hurt. Listen, you can't get better and get to heaven. You just have to get forgiven what you've already done. Yeah, 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 church can be dangerous, but God is not just a holy God. He's a merciful God. He's made a provision in the Old Testament. So why is all that violence and God killing people in the Old Testament? What is all that about? Well, God had no option. There was no solution for sin other than the priest once a year. There was no solution. So people died. In the New Testament, we have a solution. God doesn't have to talk in his outside voice anymore. He can now talk in that still small. Am I getting through to anybody? Am I getting through? He says, I'm going to touch your lips. The other day I was studying, and I came across this. How many, how many of you know the scripture? If you're a parent, you know the scripture. Train up a child in the way he shall go. And when he's old, he shall not depart from it. How many remember that? How many know that scripture? I change it sometimes in marriage retreats. I say, train up a husband in the way he shall go. And I, I, I often preach it. But I'm sorry. Um, train up a child. And then we right away go to the scripture, spare, spare the rod, spoil the child. And we think training is just about discipline until I studied that word train. It's an in- interesting Hebrew word. You want to know what it really means? Come back next Sunday. And well, the original meaning of that Hebrew word, train up a child, it, it had to do with uh, what it had to do with when babies were first born, before they would begin nursing, they would take olive oil and put it on their gums, and then they would nurse. And that was the word to train. That was their first nourishment. You know, when we get to the word, it's three levels of the word. Y'all know the three levels? Milk, bread, meat. Okay? Some of you didn't know there were three levels. I wonder where you're at. Milk, right? Easy, right? Bread, takes a little more digestive ability. And then meat, you have to chew it and digest it. Somebody, I want the meat of the word. But then we're not willing to chew on the thing. We want to we wanna just be, oh, here's a chunk of meat. Let's just, ta- let's just take it in like osmosis. Just oh. Listen, there's word that's being preached from this pulpit that is meat. And unless you're willing to go home and chew and allow your stomach to get used to digesting hard word, but some of us just go, I, I, you know, he just needs to preach something I can shout to. That's what babies do when they don't get their milk. <laughs> But that's the only way they know how to communicate, so I'm going, okay, I'm okay. I'm here to tell, oh, oh, the Lord's in this house. God, get us to the meat of the word. But before, before the milk, watch this, he anoints us to receive milk. He puts oil on the gums, and the oil actually has nutrients in it, right? It's olive oil. 
It's their first experience with the earth, with their first experience. Listen, listen, listen to me. As you're raising your children up, don't, don't get caught up in all the just disciplining. What you're actually doing in training that little preschooler is your first goal is to get them ready to receive the Word, to receive the milk of the Word. It's the Word that's going to make your child grow into adulthood and be the man and be the woman that they need to be. It's not, it's not the belt. I was raised on the belt. So, I, I, you know, I know what it does. Sometimes you got to get their attention. I understand that. My mother was real old school. When she got angry, she just used whatever was available. I remember being chased by a vacuum cleaner. I'm telling you. You think I'm kidding. It's like, I'm so mad. Vacuum cleaner. I may not always understand the fear of the Lord, but I understood the fear of mom. Bless her heart. I learned that from Southerners. Anytime they talk about somebody, it's like, bless their heart. Which is another way of saying I'm putting a knife in their back. That's another way of saying, bless their heart. That makes it okay. How many are still here? I'm not sure where I am, so I'm wondering where you are. First anointing. First anointing. First anointing on the gums so you can receive nourishment from the Lord. When, when people get saved, we need to, now we're not going to do this, but we need to anoint their gums. Wouldn't that be weird? As soon as somebody gets saved, we bring the oil out. Hey, come here. No, we're not going to do that. I am not going there. That's what elders are for. Anyway, let's go. We just lost half our elders. But how many know the principle is there? That the first thing, and this is what we used to do in the old church, the first thing we did was discipline people. A little baby doesn't need discipline. doesn't understand discipline. If you spank an infant, it's just going to cry. It's hurt. It doesn't understand discipline. Listen, listen, discipline comes later. The first thing we need to do is anoint them to receive the Word. Am I making sense to anybody? To be able to receive the Word. And, and, and can I transition from the mouth to the ear? It's the same thing. We've got to get people to the place where they can start hearing the Word of God. Remember Elijah, right? 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 11. He says, and, and now you say, go tell your master Elijah is here. I'm not sure I got the right verses. Uh, no. What did I do? You all know the story. <laughs> he's, in, he's, in the, he's in the cleft. Of the, uh, he's in the cave. How, how many of you have ever been in the cave? Sometimes by choice. Sometimes you're like, just leave me alone. I need, you know. So he's depressed. Jezebel, sister Jezebel's after him. He's in the cave. And God comes in a whirlwind. God comes in a fire. God comes in all these outside voices. And he said he takes his robe and covers his face. And he said, oh, God, you're an awesome God. But God wasn't in any of those. We talk about that outside voice and we say, that's God. I'm not so sure that's really God. That's just God having to do what he has to do because we don't listen. But if we can get to the place where we have relationship, now God doesn't have to holler. God doesn't have to come like that. God can come the way he came to Elijah in a still, small voice. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 
That, that, that word voice is still the Hebrew word Q-O-L. It's still the call, which means a loud voice, but it wasn't loud. But it was an authoritative voice, a still, small, authoritative voice. And he heard that still voice of God. Really, the, the, different translations do it different ways, but it, it really can mean a whisper. What's a whisper? Whisper is, is using your breath instead of your vocal cords. When God raised Adam, He didn't speak to Adam. He whispered. God doesn't need to use vocal cords to talk to you. The, the ruach, the spirit, the word for breath and wind and spirit is all the same in Hebrew. In other words, God can just, God just whispers now. Oh, oh come on, church. Just a whisper. Just a whisper. Listen, there's, there's a place called Statuary Hall in Washington, D.C. in the Capitol. And it's where all 50 states were able to submit two statues of people from their history. One from Ohio, we've got James Garfield, one of the one of the several presidents that came from Ohio, and, and Thomas Edison. And those two statues represent Ohio in the Hall of Statu- Statutory, Statu- the Hall of Statues, <laughs> Statutory Hall. Okay, okay, the Hall of, yeah. But it's round, and, and they say that even though there could be hundreds of people in there, and they're all talking, there's a lot of noise, there's a place up on the balcony that you can stand, and you can literally whisper, and somebody, which is, I believe it's probably as big as this or bigger, and there's, there's all kinds of noise, and it's round, but if you stand at the exact opposite end of that, you can hear him whisper to you. No one else can hear it. But just if you stand there and he stands there and whispers, just the architecture, the whisper somehow just goes across and you can hear it. The same thing is true of a cathedral, St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And they said it is, it's also round. And they said, they said you can whisper in a certain place in that cathedral and it echoes six times. Now listen, that's, that's weird because sound decreases over distance. You understand what I'm saying? If if I'm here talking to BJ, okay, he can hear me clear. Why? Because hearing is about frequencies, right? And the frequency diminishes as it goes further back. That's why we use amplification to so everyone can hear. Oh. But somehow that whisper Eventually it dies out, but the whisper can bounce off the wall six times, and you can hear the whisper. A whisper now. Can you imagine hearing that six times? It's just the architecture of the building. It's, it, it's, it's amazing. Anybody know where I'm going with this? God has a whisper that never decreases with distance. It'll bounce six times, but eventually you can't hear it anymore. But I'm here to tell you. Why? Because... Because of the, the air, you know, it has, to, it has obstacles. I mean, you know, the vo- the voice, our voices have obstacles, and eventually it dies out. But the voice of God, hallelujah, there's no, dem- there's no demon in hell that can stop the voice of God if you're determined to hear it. There's no obstruction. There's no worldly noise that can keep you from hearing God. If you'll just open your ear, He is speaking today. Give Him praise if you understand what I'm saying. I know there's a warfare, but listen, the problem today is we hear everything else but God. 
We're living in a time where the world is literally screaming at us. 24-hour commercials telling us that you have a disease called breathotosis. I didn't know it was a disease. They make up things that you've got to have this. If your teeth aren't white enough to reflect light, something's wrong with you. You've got to have this brand. You'll never be happy unless, right, you know. And we buy into it. Come on. We keep hearing all these voices, and yet the still, listen, God's not into hollering anymore. And the only way to hear a still, small voice, boy, if you don't get this, you've missed the whole sermon. The only way to hear a still, small voice is to get close enough to Him. Come on, praise Him if you know what I'm saying. If you're not close, you you can hear it through me because I got a microphone. But if you want to hear from Him, you need to get close. Oh, Isaiah, I got to hurry up. Isaiah 55, 11 says, hallelujah. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me. You see, it's not coming back void. It's going to do what it's supposed to do. It's not going to be, it's not going to be diminished. It's not going to bounce off a wall and die. God said, my word's going to go, do what it's got to do, and it's going to come back. And God's word is not affected by any demon, by any word, any noise on this planet. It shall accomplish, amen, what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. I'm not talking about your word. We're talking about his word. You know, you know, scientists tell you that the ear actually hears things twice. You've got the outer ear and the inner ear. And the best way to kind of illustrate this, the illustration I heard was that a kid, a kid is playing on the basketball court, and you know about crazy parents in the stands, right? Or maybe, should, maybe soccer is a better illustration. I don't know. <clears throat> but they're all, they're all yelling at their kid, but somehow that boy can hear dad's voice over all the other voices. Now, how is that possible? How would that even work? It's because dad's voice has already carved a channel. He, he can pick out dad's voice out of all the other voices because he's heard that voice so many times. And now there's an open channel. That second ear, the inner ear, can pick up that voice because he's heard it so often. Listen, I'm praying, oh God, oh God, do us, do an inner ear work within us. Let us hear your voice above all the other voices on the planet because we've heard it so often. Oh, someone help me preach. Psalms 40 and verse 6 talks about uh, David's sacrifice and offering. Uh, you, 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 you did not desire. My ears you have opened. That word opened, literally, you've dug ears for me. You cleared out the wax. You, uh, it's, saying, it's, it's, it's implying that my hearing has been stopped up, but something's been removed. Something's dug in there. And made a hole in my ear so I can hear. Dig, dig ears for me. Oh, you ought to pray it every morning. God, I pray this a lot. God, dig ears for me. God, make a pathway. 
Make a pathway in my hearing oh, so that no matter where I am. Listen, I know somebody said, well, I can't get to a quiet place. Listen, if you learn the voice of God like that boy on a basketball court, you'll always hear his voice. I don't care what's going on around you. I don't care what turmoil, what noise is going on. Once you've trained your ear to hear the voice of God, you won't even have to go to a quiet place. Oh, God, help us in this place. Dig ears. It can also mean drill. Just drill a hole. You know, six times Jesus says, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Eight times in the book of Revelation, He that hath ears to hear. Apparently, some don't. Some don't have ears to hear. They only have ears for the, for the natural. But maybe dig ears has an even deeper, I'll close with this, has an even deeper meaning. Exodus 21 and verse 2. He said, if you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years. And the seventh year he shall go out free and pay nothing. I, I should have I got some more verses there. I'm sorry. But in the next verse, you know what it says? It says, but if that, but if that servant wants to stay with his master. You know, our conception of slavery, I know, but. This is different back then. So, so he's saying, if the servant wants to stay because he's being treated right, and he's got a home and food, and he's just part of the family, and, and he says, look, you know, I'm never going to be anything but a slave anyway. He says, listen, rather than be free and in a mess, I, I'll stay with this family. Wow. You know what he had to do? He said he'd take the ear. Okay, this is gross. He said, you take the ear, I guess the, I don't know if the lobe or where, but it was something on the ear, and, 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 you put, and you put the ear up against the door and drive a nail through it. Yeah, that'll make me want to, uh, no, I'm sorry, I'm leaving. You put a nail through his ear, and that symbolized something. That symbolized that this slave has chosen to be this family's slave for the rest of his life. That's the mark. And he can never go back on it. He's marked for life as a slave for that family. Paul says, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. Paul says, I'm a servant. Another way of saying servant is slave. It's the same word. I'm a slave of... Listen, we don't preach this anymore. All we want to talk about is the benefits. All we want to talk about is the blessings. But I'm here to tell you, if you want to hear from God, you need the, you need the nail through the ear. You need to get to the place where you say, God, I'll never serve another. And I'm yours till I die. And I'm not here just for blessing. I'm not just here to get something from you. I am here to serve you. Do your bidding for the rest of my life. Wow. You know, the Latin word for obey the Latin word for obey, uh, obatere, I think it's called. The Latin word for obey literally means to give ear. You can't obey if you can't hear. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So I obey the Lord. Yeah? You've never heard from him. Are you sure? How many want ears to hear? How many, really, how many of you are willing to get nailed to the wall? Never going back, Lord. Stand to your feet. Never going back, Lord. Never going back.